four accounts you might not know about that could change your financial life. It's Brian Preston, the money guy, restoring order to your financial chaos, retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions. He's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. So here's what I think is so great, right? That sounded like clickbait, right? Like, oh, it's not really. This really is true. Like for if you're someone who has the ability to use these accounts and you fall into this category, it is something that can quite literally be life changing. And I think that's amazing. And I think, you know how I know people don't know about a lot of these? Because we get emails all the time. Hey, can you tell us about this? Or, hey, I heard about this thing. Or, hey, what is this? I just love when we can open people's eyes to things they might not know. That's the whole reason we do this show. And I think each one of these accounts, I I love that we do highlight episodes where we can break out into small digestible chunks. I think each one of these is going to be able to stand on their own and be something that can, for years, be a resource to people as well. By the way, if you're just now tuning in, this is The Money Guy Show. Go to moneyguy.com if you want to get show notes, if you want to give us your email address, as well as your zip code, just in case we want to drop into your neck of the woods. That's how we're going to stay connected with you. So go to moneyguy.com. Also, you probably noticed right behind us in studio, we have a YouTube ticker that if you want to subscribe, you can, you know, we will keep that number going up. And then we do a live stream every two weeks on Tuesday, even though we're recording this on a Monday (laughs) currently. Um, So make sure you subscribe and then also even click the little bell button so you get notifications um, whenever we do have updates or things going on with our YouTube channel. Love it. So let's, I mean, by the way, I didn't even ask you, Bo, when I was putting these four together, we didn't talk about order. Mm -hmm. So I'm willing, since we're doing this on a Monday, we're doing a double header where we're doing two live episodes at once that we're recording and live streaming. Do you want to just name which account you think should have been named first, or do you want to just go in the order I have them I think up? the order you have it in is actually fantastic. I do want to say what the four accounts are on the onset, so everybody knows the four we're going to be okay. talking about. Uh and then I think we should go in this order because I just love the way you've done this. Okay, you do the setup with the four accounts and then I'll kind of jump into the first one. So the four accounts that we think that you ought to know about that you might not know about are ABLE accounts, health savings accounts, dependent care flexible spending accounts, and then custodial Roth or minor Roth accounts, minor Roth IRAs. So you're ready? Let's, let's just hit it. Let's talk about ABLE first because I feel like that's the one... Uh, when you talk about something being life-changing, I feel like this is one that's a little new, a little unique, but has huge impacts for those for those who it touches. Um, just, just so you guys know, I, this one is, is a, that's why I think the reason I just asked you which one you do first is I didn't know if this one was appropriate, just because I'm in a great mood. Y'all should know, last week I had the full-blown flu, was in bed for a number of days. So now that I'm above ground again and I'm like... I feel, even though I have this annoying cough and this Stevie Nicks grovelly voice, I'm just happy to be alive. So I'm I'm just full of energy. But this one, I mean, I will tell you, this one hits hard and close to home for me is because I think a lot of you guys out there, Money Guy family, know I have a special needs daughter. I have a daughter that was diagnosed with autism and um, she, she goes to a special school for it. We don't know, and, and it, this is the part that I got kind of, you know, bother, you know, not bothers me, but it's just hard to share. We don't know if she'll ever live alone. Sure. I mean, that's I, I, just the reality of the situation is um, she progresses much slower than a neuronormal child would on the way they process the world. Now, I wouldn't change her at this point because she is special in her own unique way. Yeah. Anybody who meets her, I always say that she's got this X factor 
that every teacher who meets her wants to adopt her sure. because she's cute as a button. She's mischievous in just enough way that it, it's actually fun. She's just, she's my buddy. I, I'll just say that. So able accounts when, uh, you know, when you have a special needs kid, your entire life changes because a lot of your expectations of accomplishments or things of benchmarks of, you know, checking the boxes off in life just kind of change a lot. And even, even for my wife and I, when we start thinking about traveling the world and other things, we realize there's probably going to be somebody else with us, Sure, you know, that we got to have to either make arrangements for, you know, for, you know, to come somebody to help out, or she just go travel and see the world with us. And we've even got some ideas on that for the future too. But a lot of that, if you're a normal person, you're like, I don't deal with all this. I mean, because there's going to be, I'm not going to be here forever. So how do I make sure all my financial goals are fulfilled? Who's going to to help this special person out when I'm not here? And, and it's a little overwhelming. Yep. So the first thing you think of is like a special needs trust. Well, that's the traditional idea yeah. is that you, you need you a special you're going trust. You're going to see a special a state attorney. They're going to help you structure these things. And you're going to set up a, a special needs trust, which still very well could be something that you might need to consider. But I loved when I found out about these things, it was like an answered prayer. Mm-hmm. Because this thing, I'm telling you guys, if you have a special needs kid, you've got to know about ABLE accounts. Because these things are built upon the exact same platform that has been so successful, which is the 529s. We all know 529s are incredible resources for saving for your kids' college. And why do we love saving for our kids' college in 529s, as well as for K-12 through private school now, by the way, too, is because if you use them for what they're intended for, meaning for education, they grow completely tax-free. Which is incredible. So your, your contribution goes in. You might even get a little bit of a tax benefit off of it. The earnings grow tax-free, and then when you pull it out for educational purposes, it's tax-free. Well, the same thing for ABLE accounts. They're built upon that same platform so that if you could imagine, you could save up to $15,000 a year in 2019, and that money can grow, it can keep working for itself, but then when you eventually need to pull that money out to pay for expenses of life, of living with a disability, the principal and the growth is going to be completely tax-free. And the setup for these things is pretty much nothing. That's the other thing, because a special needs trust, like we mentioned an attorney, we mentioned you're going to need advisors and others Mm -hmm. to kind of help you structure all these things. These ABLE accounts are administered by the states directly, just like the 529s. They work with partners, and they, they set these things up. So it is truly a godsend and a blessing for you if you're dealing with these type of struggles you need to know about it and here's the other key thing that a lot of people are excited about with um able accounts and i'm even i have an update but i didn't share this with you there's legislation going on right now that was just introduced in congress that impacts these that might even be more updates coming with able accounts but a big concern also when you have a special needs child that eventually will be a special needs adult, is you're worried if the savings you do is going to blow up the governmental benefits that you're hoping that they have access to. Because Lord knows, you know, think about, here's what I always tell people. I have to save for my retirement, and then I have to save for Emory's 
well-being yeah, too. So right. essentially we're saving for two families. Mm -hmm. And you'd like to think, well, gosh, that's a big responsibility. Wouldn't it be nice if we still, you know, it, when she gets out, uh, you know, in the future down the road, if I'm not here, if my wife's not here, if maybe she qualified for the supplemental security sure. income, the SSI, what if she could get some of the, the supplemental nutritional assistance program, the SNAP program, Medicaid, Medicaid. Well, if you go, if you go set up just accounts in this child's name, you're probably going to get precluded because some of these things go away at $2,000. Right. I'm not saying $2,000 a month. I'm saying at $2,000, these things go away, not with ABLE accounts. They give you on the SSI, which is the Supplemental Security Income, you get an exemptions up, exemption up to $100,000. Um, but then a lot of these other things like Medicaid and so forth, they just don't count ABLE accounts. Really? So you could, if you're saving $15,000 a year, maybe this thing's going to be worth, you know, million dollars two million dollars sure, yeah. down the road it you would still be able to use these Qualified things now there are potential clawback provisions but there's legislation that potential legislation sure. that might even work on that um the, here's a key thing about um able accounts because a lot of you guys are starting to get excited you're like well man maybe i can qualify for this and there's even i saw an article that said what about military veterans who've been disabled mm -hmm from service, sure. do they qualify for ABLE accounts? Currently, legislation is you have to have the disability diagnosis 26 or before. Before age 26. That's, that's, and that's a, that's a big limitation. So guess what? There's legislation. This is hot off the presses. This is March of 2019. There is bipartisan legislation. How awesome is it here? Bipartisan yeah. legislation. I mean, you got Democrats and Republicans working together where they're trying to push that age up to 46. So potentially that age of 26 will be pushed up to 46 and ABLE will be opened up to more people. Um, you also, you don't have to be receiving Social Security to get ABLE, um, a qualify for ABLE. You just have to have a medical professional who is saying that this will be an ongoing mm -hmm. struggle and an issue and you're willing to keep and it's your responsibility to keep that documentation that you do um, qualify for ABLE. Um, I'm trying to think of both because I've thrown so much yeah, out here. I think here. one of the unique things, and we actually had a, a listener comment on this, that uh, it's not just for contributing for a minor child, but uh, you yourself, if you're disabled or if your child is disabled yeah. at work, and they can also contribute to it as well. Correct? Well, that's that's part of the new, you know, part of the new tax reform that came out. It, it, I guess you know, 2017. That was part of the, it. Just took effect in 2018. <laughs> is that part of the new legislation with able accounts? Also, is that you get to put in fifteen thousand up to fifteen thousand dollars a year. By the way, if you're wondering where that number came from, that's the annual gift amount. If it goes up next year for because it's indexed for inflation, the able amount will go up as well. But realize that if the part of the, the tax reform is that if that child is working, like we have a restaurant we go to for lunch yeah. probably three times a week. There's a special needs child that adult that works in there. And um, we've gotten to know him. Yep. And it's great because he knows us. And I, I'm very, very sensitive and make sure I know his name. I always you know, give him a high five mm -hmm. or a fist bump. And um, he works at this restaurant. You know, and he takes food and he clears tables and other things. He would qualify. Every earned income dollar he earns could also be contributed to his ABLE account on top of the $15,000. Right. The only exclusion to that, though, is if there's a retirement benefit um, no longer 
can count that money. Right. So if your employer is making retirement contributions on your behalf, unfortunately that income no longer qualifies to do the, the ABLE accounts. And one of the things that we were talking about, Brian, that where these are a little bit different than 529 accounts is that a beneficiary can only have one ABLE account, right? So it's not yes. where you can set one up and the grandparents can set one up. You can't can do that like a 529 up. for education. These ABLE accounts, you get one account okay. and it's one fifteen thousand dollars oh, a year so even too. so if you want to put no, in ten thousand yeah. and the grandparents fifteen thousand dollars and you also need to pay attention i mean i don't i don't think this is a big deal because when i first did my first show on able accounts the funding limit in in tennessee was maximum contributions of two hundred and thirty five thousand. not over the life of the not account. future not the value of the account but just contribution total couldn't exceed two hundred thirty five thousand. As of this year, 2019, it's 350,000. Wow. So they're obviously indexing this for inflation. For most states, it's around 300,000. You need to, I want to give a website. I, I feel mad that I haven't done this already. If you are interested in ABLE, because we're going to have to move on to these other four categories, these other three accounts, I want you to go to ablenrc.org. Able nrc.org these guys have an incredible website that's a resource even let you there are, i think we're up to 42 43 states that have able account availability in them and, and actually if your state doesn't there's other states that probably will allow out-of-state residents to come in i think mississippi I think the Dakotas, mm -hmm. there's a few that just have not quite got these ABLES set up yet, right. but most of them do have set up. But you do need to pay attention. That's what this account, this will, website will tell you is like Tennessee, they don't want outside residents. So you only can contribute to the Tennessee plan if you live in Tennessee. So with, like with 529 plans, uh, it's pretty specific. You have to use... The expenses for qualified higher education. So you got to, or I guess K through 12 now. So you got to pay for school in order to be permissible. Do the ABLE accounts also have that same sort of restriction on how you can actually use it? I mean, what you say you grow this up to it where it is a million dollars. Is it limited on how you can use those funds? It, it is supposed to help you with dealing with a life with a disability. So it is very broad in the way the language is written. I mean, it even can pay for administration, it can pay for living expenses, it can pay for So housing, doctors. rent, food. I mean, it's a lot of things. Because look, realize when you're special needs, and a special needs adult especially, everything is going to be somewhat of a struggle. Mm -hmm. So I think that they they wrote the flexibility in the legislation for that purpose. It's really outstanding. Um, great question, Bo, but I, I think that that's an important part. Um, what, what did, I, did I leave? Because I get so emotional. I get so energetic and passionate about this because it does hit me directly. I just want people, if you don't, if you have a special needs person, go hone up on this resource well, and, and know how to use it. You know, one planning opportunity that we had talked about, Brian, is, is a, lot of, a lot of parents, when they first have a child, they, they want to get out in front of planning. So they say, you know what, I'm going to start funding a 529 account from the time that my child is born. I'm going to start saving for college, saving for college, saving for college. Well, you were in that situation where you found, oh, there's this ABLE account. Aren't there some unique, uh, there's, there's some unique transactions you can do even between like college savings accounts, 529s, and ABLE accounts, right? Great, great way to close out because I had left that point off. You can roll over your college 529 accounts into an ABLE account. Mm -hmm. That is, that's an incredible opportunity because look, some of these diagnoses, you just don't know, like with autism, you, don't, you might not know until two, three years old that the child is, 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 has this. And it, you know, it's just something. And here's the thing. Um, when I first set this account up, I didn't know what 
Emery's future was. Sure, you were as, sure. as we're yeah. getting a few more years into it, it still looks like she might need assistance for the rest of her life. Um, you know, I'm glad we're making these decisions. Yep. I'm loading this bad boy up for all it's got because I want it to give as much opportunity to her as possible. You know, if you're somebody out there who's listening to us on, you know, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, iTunes, filling any of the other audio ways that people listen to us, one of the great things about being able to do this live stream and having an audience right here asking us questions is sometimes we might say something that's not incredibly clear or you might just have a follow-up question and we actually have access to that. And this was a great question and it just came through. It says, hey, I'm working and I I have a 401k. Are you saying that I can't contribute to the ABLE account? Did I just hear no, no, that no. correctly? No. What I'm saying is, is there's a new provision within the tax law for ABLE accounts that when the special needs child becomes an adult, and or they don't even have to be an adult, when they start having earned income, if they go and get a job in the community, um, that, there's a special provision that they can make contributions to their own ABLE account up to their, you know, up to their earned income. Um, and that doesn't count against the $15,000 that you can put in just as the annual limit. So long as they're not retirement plan contributions for them in their working situation. So, so, it's so not for, for the instance, the, the example I made was the gentleman who works at the restaurant that Bo and I go to for lunch all the time. He, um, if he was, at, if his employer was making 401k contributions on his behalf, he could no longer count those That's contributions. Right. So it has to do with the actual the, that uh, individual themselves, not the parents. That's a great question. I'm so glad that we had a chance and to If I had to give, because I always try to say, why did, why did they write that into it? Because I always try to explain tax law to people. It's probably because if they're letting the employer count that portion of income to take a deduction for the matching contribution, they didn't want a double double dip opportunity yeah. that, to be created. Okay, so that's that's the first one. The first account we just covered was Whew. an ABLE account. That's a big one. Okay. You good? Yeah, I'm that's good. That, one, that one's close to home. It, it hits. So um, I'm glad we now let's move on to the, 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 the next one. The second big. one is one that I'm really, really excited about. And, and here's the thing. This isn't one that we haven't talked about before. We've actually done an entire dedicated shows to this before. But it is that good, and it is that powerful, and it is that big, and it is that unique that it's worth mentioning on the show. Because if you aren't taking advantage of it, you might be missing out on a huge, huge, huge planning opportunity. Because dare I say, there is no other financial account out there like this financial account. And that No, this one, this one's big. Is, and, and, and here it is. Triple. Not one. Triple tax advantage. That's right. Why, why do I say triple tax advantage, Bo? Yeah, so what's really unique is uh, not only do you get a tax deduction. When deduction you, on the front. That's one. Not only get a tax deduction. Front end deduction. Day, it grows tax deferred that's every two. year. You don't have to pay taxes on it. But then when you go to pull that money out, if you're using it for qualified medical expenses, you actually pull it out tax free. Boom. Tax that's number three. three. That's triple tax advantage. I mean, t guys. Government is trying to tell you healthcare is going to be a big deal. Get your act in order and save for healthcare. And here's why. I did I updated this number, Bo. I went and pulled this. This was from Fidelity. Fidelity every year does a, a cost analysis of what healthcare is going to cost retirees in the future. Mm -hmm. And the 2018 report that Fidelity prepared said that healthcare was going to cost approximately for a 65-year-old couple 
$280,000 throughout their retirement. I think that's worth repeating because that number you just saw was over a quarter of a million dollars, right? Just for healthcare Just and for retirement. healthcare, over a quarter of a million dollars. For a couple. So we need to get serious about how do we save. So why not figure out a way that the government's going to subsidize those contributions and make it work for you? So that's why we wanted to make sure you sleep well at night and understand the triple tax advantage. It's also one I consider one of the greatest legal tax loopholes right. out there. Um, but kind of go through the ins and outs of how these things work on contribution limits. And then I wanna talk about this cool saving strategy that I'm doing that's kind of taking advantage of some some vagueness in the, the reimbursement laws. Yeah, so the very first thing that you have to be able to, to know is, am I eligible to contribute to a health savings account? Because we've actually done shows before, and we've had folks reach out to us and say that, we uh, man, we love this health savings account. I want to do it. Can I do it? And our answer is, you can only take advantage of a health savings account if you're covered under a high deductible health insurance plan. So there's a very real chance that through your employer, you may be in the Cadillac plan, really low deductibles, you just have co-pays, really great insurance. You may not be someone who qualifies to be able to make HSA contributions. Conversely, if you and your spouse are on different insurances, and maybe you are on a high deductible plan and your spouse is not, only you can contribute and your, your contributions are limited relative to what the household can. But if you're an individual and you want to make a contribution in 2019, you can contribute up to $3,500 for single coverage. Or if you have family coverage, you can contribute up to $7,000 for your family. And if you're over 55, there's a $1,000 catch up. It's just an incredible opportunity. A lot of you are probably going, well, high deductible plan. What does that mean? Look, I can give you all. It does exactly as the name implies. It means you're probably going to bear a lot more of the cost. You're essentially paying for the discount That's network right. of your insurance company. But because, you know, you're okay with that because there's going to be this triple tax advantage and you're going to also have some additional savings. And then the insurance company's going to give you some savings. They know if you're bearing some of the cost of the the, the health care, they're going to hopefully give you lower premiums. Mm -hmm. This is how this is all supposed to work together. I can give you what those high deductible limits are, but they change every they year. Do. The easiest thing I would tell you to do, and this is so easy, you have to be careful just because you look at a deductible and you go, man, that's a high deductible on that insurance <laughs> plan. That does not make it HSA eligible. What you have to do is kind of look in the literature and it's going to be very prominent yep. or ask the person that's, it's, you know, if, you, if you're in a group plan, Ask the benefits provider, your HR department, if you're buying an individual plan out there in the marketplace, you can very easily, they will tell you if they're HSA eligible. That's right. It's not just, oh my God, that's a high deductible on that one. Let's, that's a, that's HSA. It's got to be HSA. It doesn't <laughs> work that way. There's actually some, some specifics that it's got to make sure it fits into, and we want to make sure you fall into that. So one of the things that we talk about is, uh, so there are, a few, there are a few ways that you can use an HSA account. So if you are subject to a high deductible, health plan, you can make the election to put money into the HSA. You can either do it via your paycheck, which means that uh, just like your 401k contributions or any other cafeteria contributions, it just comes out pre-tax out of your paycheck. Or you might be in a situation where you can make direct contributions with after-tax dollars into an HSA and then claim it on 
what used to be page one of the tax return. I think it's like schedule one or maybe it's page yeah, one. I'm kind of confused now, but it's one of the early pages in the tax return and you can claim that. Well, you can use those funds this year as you put them in to go pay for health expenses. So I put in a hundred dollars a month and then in a couple months I go to the doctor and it costs 70 bucks. I can just pull 70 bucks out of my HSA and pay for my doctor visit. And I can use that as a way to reimburse me for medical expenses. The other way you could do it, though, is you can actually use it as an investment account. And yeah. There are a lot of really great providers, we'll mention a few, where you can actually put that money to work and invest it in really low-cost index funds, sometimes target retirement funds, and let that money grow into the future. And that's what, that's the key thing, because we already talked about the triple tax advantage, but the key part is that you can invest a portion of this. Now, I want to protect you guys. Money Guy family, here's the thing. If you're a person that you need this HSA account to actually pay for the healthcare reimbursement, the expenses that you're having, then the big part is you probably wanna keep a lot of those initial HSA contributions liquid. It's mm -hmm. okay to stay in the cash holdings, yep. make sure you're earning something, and probably keep enough cash to cover the deductible amount or the out-of-pocket amount, because that's probably really what you need to pay attention to is what is your out-of-pocket limit for the year Make sure you have enough money in that account to cover that so you never get caught naked, you know, on if you did have a medical yep. experience happen. Now, you're, what you're hoping is that year two, year three, year four, things aren't haven't happened to you medically. So this money's just built. And once you have that deductible covered or that out-of-pocket covered, mm -hmm. now let's figure out how do we how do we maximize opportunities here? Yep. It's called investing the money. So you depending upon the the custodian that you use for your HSA, you have the potential to invest in like Vanguard or really low-cost index funds. It's an incredible opportunity. So much of an incredible opportunity. Here's something that I'm doing. I use my HSA and I make sure my wife knows whenever we do anything that qualifies for reimbursement, we keep the receipt. Okay? We're keeping those receipts. I document those receipts. I scan those receipts in. I'll organize those receipts so we can always come back to them and know where they reside to come to them in the future. And that's a key important thing is because we are keeping records of all of our expenses but we're not seeking reimbursement. Well, I thought the whole cool thing about this was you get some reimbursement. Brian, why on earth would you we're not get reimbursed? We're keeping count of our expenses. We're letting the money grow. We're investing the money, letting it work. There is no date of when the reimbursement has to occur. So you can literally accumulate expenses for the next 10 years. All the while you're accumulating those expenses, you can let the earnings inside of the HSA continue to compound. If you don't know about compounding interest, go listen to some of our shows that talk about that. And you can reimburse yourself a decade in the future. An example will be very beneficial right now. Here, let me give you an example. This year, a family can put in $7,000. Okay. I just put in $7,000. What do you know? Just a few weeks weeks ago into my HSA. I've already maxed out 2019. And let's say, let's fast forward seven years. Okay. That $7,000 is now turned into $14,000. Now in the year 2019, when I funded the $7,000, let's just say I had $7,000 worth of health expenses, qualified expenses. I waited, didn't get reimbursement in 2019. Mm -hmm. We heard I invested it. Fast forward the seven years, it's now worth, you know, $14,000. Right. 
I now take my $7,000 reimbursement from the year 2019. So I took the contribution, I took what I put in back out. I still have $7,000 in that HSA account. Think about this. If I would have not done that strategy, if I would have just gone for reimbursement of the $7,000 of expenses, we'd had a zero sum game. Yep. I put $7,000 in. I had $7,000 of medical expenses. I pulled $7,000 out. We ended up the year into the year 2019. We ended up at zero. Mm -hmm. If we do it my way, we put the $7,000 in. Yes. I'm essentially lending that money to myself. I invested it, it grew to 14,000, pulled my 7,000 out. Simple math is there's still 7,000 out there of house money working for us that will be available for more reimbursement or just to grow. And you heard Bo say, there's even a point in time that I might even be able to use this for non-medical expenses That's right. in retirement. So I, your example is beautiful. I'd like to challenge your math just for one second. Did I not say no? Seven no, 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 no. You said no, no. You said everything perfectly. But I'm going to throw one extra thing out there, just to swing a little bit. Even in the scenario where you said I put seven thousand dollars in and I pull the seven thousand dollars out, it's a zero sum game, right? Right. That was the thing you laid out. No, because I took a tax benefit. Trish, you got a tax. No matter how, even if you're somebody I out there corrected. that makes ten million dollars a year. <laughs> you get a front page tax deduction for your HSA contribution. So even if you put the money in and then you pull the money out, you still get a tax deduction. It is really hard to find a reason or a person who is eligible for HSA that it makes sense to not make HSA contributions. Well, now, I'll, I'll, look, uh, we have to be careful because there are a lot of you guys that work for great corporations. Fair enough. We have, and and they, they give you some Cadillac insurance. I mean, these people love having you as an employee so much so that you almost have to take their Cadillac health That's insurance. That's true. That's because we example. have we have some we we have seen those plans. Yep. So I want to call. I love HSAs, but have I had access to some of your health care options, especially with a special needs child? We'd probably not be on the HSA, but that's the exception to the rule because that's right. that's exactly you have right. to have really good health insurance with your employer. Uh, one of the questions we had on here, and I thought this was just a great question worth mentioning, it says, uh, is there is there a low cost HSA or HSA provider? When I left my employer, the HSA was charging a monthly fee of like $3. So would I be able to roll over an HSA to a lower cost plan? A lot of times when you work with an employer, it's a love the one you're with type thing, especially if your employer's putting money into the plan. They might tell you that you have to use provider ABC if or you want to get the free money. But one thing that you can do is when you leave that employer or maybe even while you're with that employer, if you're allowed to have two plans, there are some really great low cost providers out there. If you want to know more about that, go to our website, moneyguy.com, type in health savings account. We've done a whole show on there. We walk through, there are a couple of them, health savings administrators. Well, uh, I'll, I'll the, just say, cause I, it's, I haven't done an update on all the providers recently and we don't like to do recommendations on the show. I, instead of giving it, because I'm not giving a recommendation, I just two things I've noticed. I'll tell you, I've used, this is not a rec, because I have, not, it's not a, I don't get anything from sure. this. I'm just sharing what I have. I use the HSA authority. Yep. Um, but I will tell you, I, and but we don't have details on it. Right. We have connections with Fidelity, and they've shared with us that Fidelity plans on getting in this HSA game pretty heavy. Yep. We don't know the details yet, That's right. but I'm curious because HSA is kind of when 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 Fidelity, Vanguard, or Schwab do something, kind of I get excited they about do it because it it's usually it's it's cost effective, really good portal tools, um, a lot of easy access. 
I get excited when the big players are taking this stuff seriously. That's exactly right. All right. Uh, option number three. Man, that weird. This stuff is awesome. Right. I didn't know. This, this was, by the way, when we do sh- podcast or money guy shows, we have long shows. We have what's titled short shows. <laughs> no, we this this short show is going to be longer than most long shows. Keep yeah, going. We have long shows and not quite as long shows. All right, so we talked about the Able accounts, talked about how Sammy's accounts. This next one is a really, really uh, interesting one, a dependent care flexible spending account. We were going to take some time and talk about flexible spending accounts, but we think most people know what a flexible spending account is. Yeah. Uh it's not quite as exciting as a health savings account, so we didn't think it deserved that, that amount of real estate. But dependent care FSAs are a unique animal. Well, the big thing, typical FSA, flexible spending account, is for reimbursement of a lot of your medical expenses up to like for $2,700 mm-hmm. a year. It's a use it or lose it type situation. The problem is they don't play in the same, same sandbox well with health savings accounts. So a lot of people are like, wait a minute, you just talked about how much you love HSAs, and now you're going to flip over to FSAs? Those two don't work together. You're right. But guess what? Health savings accounts work beautifully with dependent care FSAs because there's a carve-out in the legislation that allows people to still use dependent care FSAs with a health savings account. So these things do piggyback quite nicely. They play well. They could be practically related. So a lot of you are like, well, okay, you got my, my, I'm interested. What's, give me the scoop. What's a, what's a dependent care HSA? Have you ever wondered how you go pay for preschool? How you go pay for summer day camp? How you go pay for the before or after school, school programs? Yep. And, and, and let me tell you, what if I could help you pay for it with a third, at least a 30% off coupon. Oh, you would sign up for it all day. Everybody. This is no different than when we do 401k presentations. I say everybody signing up for the matching contribution because it's free money. That's right. Well, it's kind of the same thing with dependent care FSAs because when I say say a 30% off coupon, where is that coming from? Here's where the savings are. It is exempt from income taxes. Mm -hmm. So what we know, that's at least 15% probably. Yep. But you know what else? It's 15 to 20%. Easy. It's also exempt from payroll taxes. That's the biggie. Your employer will love this too because Medicare? Nope. Social Security? Nope. None of these things are being charged on money that you're putting in these FSA type accounts. And since these are depending care FSAs, you're paying for your after school programs, your daycare, all these learning opportunities for your children. And it's going to be income tax as well as payroll tax free for you and your employer. So what's your homework? If you are someone and your child does go to daycare services or uh, summer camp service, there's some mechanism where you're having childcare throughout the day. You ought to at least ask your H, uh, HR department, hey, do we have access to a dependent care FSA? Because what you can do is you can elect up to 5000 I think is the it's limit. $5,000 right? You can year. have $5,000 withheld, and then you can immediately reimburse yourself from that account on a monthly, quarterly, however your plan operates, to pay those fees. It's a fantastic way to make a expense that you're going to have anyways pre-tax. It's beautiful. Yeah. And a lot of, I think, employers, and you, you're kind of alluding to this, a lot of employers are scared of setting up mm-hmm. stuff, but the, the savings on the payroll side helps them too. And I think does. that's why the government yep. did those things. So that's a great opportunity. Definitely go do some research on um, dependent care FSAs. 
you know, go to moneyguy.com if you want links or some other resources that we can provide. Uh, and the fourth one is, all right, so you know, one of the things that we love here at the Money Guy Show more than anything else is compounding interest. You've heard us talk about this idea of 88 times over, right? A 20-year-old, if you can take a dollar, go invest it, earn 10% until you turn 65, you can turn $1 into 88, which is just so exciting. But what if you could do something even more? What this if- thing is a... Tax-free extravaganza. Did, hey, Morph, did you just use some sort of uh, auto-tune? No, I had that. Special effects are built okay. directly. In it. God gave me this ability to make these type of special effects. And, and guess what? You're wondering, you see this big box behind Bo? You're like, does that thing do anything except say the Money Guy show? You're darn right it does. Every now and then, <laughs> because we're still looking for a Money Guy employee, by the way. Hey, I don't know if you knew that. We're, we're hiring right now. We are hiring a Money Guy employee. If you are looking for an entry-level type position that wants to grow exponentially with the Money Guy show, reach out to us, Bo at MoneyGuy.com. But watch this. Uh-oh. <laughs> Boom! Look at that. We have a visual. This is something that Fidelity put together on their custodial Roth IRAs. Okay. Here, while this is while you're soaking in this incredible opportunity for exponential compounding interest and the opportunity. I mean, notice what this is showing. This is showing a 15-year-old if they're just doing the $5,500 a year, by the time they reach retirement, they're going to have access to close to three and a half million dollars tax-free. Unbelievable. So you guys are interested because now, look, there. by the way, the old dude at the bottom, you see that poor guy? Hold on. 45 year old. I was about to say, did you just call 45 an old dude? Because I, I, I can just, get I'm on board with that. I'm just echoing when you get told stuff after a while, you just like, <laughs> you I just accept it as bad hair. <laughs> I guess, I guess, I guess my, my butt doesn't look good, you know, because they keep telling me it doesn't. This is, this is what happens when you keep getting told the same thing over and over again. Self-fulfilling prophecy, That's right? what happens here at the Money Guy Show. I get, keep getting told that being in your 40s is older. By the way, people who are listening who are older than 45, they're getting mad at you right now. Well, but now. they all seem much younger than you. So you're probably, I'm, I've got you intrigued because you see that 45-year-old puts 5500 for the rest of their time. Mm-hmm. It only turns into $422,000. By the way, I don't know if you saw that. I have gotten so old. I should have bought a bigger daggum TV. <laughs> we have a monitor in front of you guys. I can't see that. So I'm like, what's that number over there? I mean, it is ridiculous. I've reached that age that I'm going to have to get cheaters. But, Man, we're going to get... We're not, we're not there yet. So I'm, I'm fighting this thing as long as I can. But custodial rosters is exactly what their name implies, guys. This is if you have children, minor children that are under majority age, meaning under, under 18, that have earned income, because that's a key component to all Roth IRAs. The government gets us tax-free growth for saving for the future, but you have to have earned income. Right. So they allow for an adult to be, you know, to kind of be in charge of these accounts for the beneficiary of that working child. And you have to file a tax return. That's right. I have a 15-year-old that has one of these custodial Roth IRAs set up. We're having to file a tax return yep. for her to show that she has earned income for babysitting and yep. other things. Um, so, but we're contributing that money into an investment account. I'm doing a dollar for dollar match for her. Whatever she puts of her babysitting money into her Roth account, we make sure it stays within her earned income limits. 
I match it dollar for dollar because I want her to be excited about saving for the future. And I think about how powerful that can be just for a few reasons, Brian. So think about when your daughter, right, when she uh, goes off to school and then she gets out and she graduates, she gets her first job and she sits in her very first 401k enrollment meeting and under and starts hearing how the 401k works. She's going to think, oh, wow, that thing that happened, I was doing that with dad back when I lived at home. Or if she starts investing and she actually sees that money grow, mm-hmm. think about how much more inclined she's going to be to be a saver early on. Imagine if you can equip your kids with the desire to start saving before they're actually little birdies that are outside of the nest while they're still little birdies inside the nest. And they have the single greatest asset they're ever going to have, which is an unbelievable amount of time for that compounding interest to work. And you better do a good job of educating them on the power of these things, because guess what? At 18 or 21 years of age, They gain control of these assets. So make sure you are focusing not only on the exponential growth, but how that exponential growth only happens if they let that money continue to work for them. That army of dollar bills has to have time to really turn into the size and reach its potential and become that exponential working organism that is going to do incredible things for your child. So make sure you're focusing on the financial basics and understandings. Get them excited about the Money Guy Show. And I think that they will do really good things because depending upon which state you live in, 18 to 21, these things become under their control. And they're significant, significant. Awesome. Okay. So four accounts you may not know of that can have a huge impact in your financial life. Uh, The first was the ABLE account, which we talked about. The second was health savings accounts. The third is the dependent care flexible spending account. And the fourth is a minor or custodial Roth IRA account. Man, this show, for a short show, I feel like we packed a ton of punch in this one. This one was filled with TNT. So, guys, I don't know how else you can see how passionate we are about saving for the future, letting you be successful for the future. And that you're probably like, you're, you're tuning in and go, what is this thing? This, I mean, these guys are just basically giving it away. This is free information. You're exactly right. This is what we call the abundance cycle. We here at Abound Wealth and the Money Guy family, we feel like, hey, just come here. We're going to love on you, give you tons of free advice. We want you to grow. We want you to be successful. We want you to build that foundation. So at one point, you're going to wake up and you're going to realize, holy cow, I'm successful. I have reached a point where I don't have time to keep up with this, or man, this thing has gotten complex, or I heard those guys talk about a concept. I just don't know if I'm maximizing all my opportunities, or I just need to get a second opinion or somebody look over my shoulder. That's when you can pay us back. I want you to consider at that point, reaching out to us, consider taking the relationship to the next level. Go to moneyguy.com or boundwealth.com. We have contact us pages on both of those websites and we're going to be able to hook you up. What did, uh, were you, no, just, think, you, were, you were with the role. No, I, I had you mesmerized. I could I tell you were mesmerized by it. That was it. You nailed You're it. You're like, Brian should get the flu every week. Uh, seriously, man. No, no. I, I was bedridden last week, and this week I'm just I'm hopped up and ready to go and just share. <laughs> I mean, you can just tell. So go check it out. Moneyguy.com. By the way, this is our YouTube counter. We want to get this number. We are so close to 21,000. Next time we do a show, it will be well over 21,000. I want that number to be 100,000 because you know what goes on one of these walls once we reach 100,000 on YouTube? We get a cool little play button that they're going to send us. And those little trinkets when you get to be my age, that's what gives you really excitement. Your emails also give us purpose. 
keep that stuff coming. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you also click the bell so we get notifications yep. when we're doing stuff. And then go to moneyguy.com and give us your email address and zip code. So when we drop into your area, take this road on the sh- uh, you know this show on the road. We know where the Money Guy family lives. I'm your host Brian Preston, Mr. Bo Hansen. We'll be back soon. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. Brian Preston is a principal with Abound Wealth Management. Abound Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Security and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Abound Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment or legal advice. (laughs) 